have to push your button. Oh my. Hey everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is the second Thursday of the month, which means it's time for Vegan Doc Talk with Dr. Scott Harrington. Today, he's going to talk about how to eat clean and avoid toxic food. Please welcome him to the show. How are you? I'm good. How's it going, everybody? Good. So I hear you got back from a cruise. Tell me about it. I did. I did get back from the cruise. Um, the uh, uh, health optimization cruise where they had food that had no salt, oil, or sugar. And it was quite impressive because the, the meals were very creative and uh, we had a great time, a lot of, you know, community and, uh, and just eating really healthy food. I came back healthier. Wow. Yeah. How many people went? Ah, uh, let's see. I mean, estimate about 40 in the group, I think something like that. Amazing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a tight group. Um, there were, you know, several other doctors there and uh, chefs, and it was it was really good time. Wow, what what I mean, like other vegan doctors? Yeah, um, uh, for instance, uh, Dr. Loomis was there, uh, and uh, and so yeah, he he was one of the other vegan docs, and it was a great time. Well, fantastic! Tell me about the food. Was it clean? Was it toxin free? It, it was, it was, it uh, had no salt, oil, or sugar. Uh, and there was, um, and they were very creative and they had even had desserts and stuff like that too. A lot of fruit uh, for dessert. Um, and I, I was just quite impressed, you know, Mike Young, he really worked with the, uh, with uh, celebrity cruise lines and they, they really, they kind of bent over backwards to make it happen. So it was great. Well, that's fantastic. Did you guys uh, go anywhere special? Did you have activities? Well, yeah, there was uh, the cruise would go went to several uh, Caribbean uh, ports. Uh, so like uh, Cozumel and went to the Bahamas and this kind of thing. Um, I usually don't get off the boat when I do on the when I go on these cruises because I end up sort of doing work, you know, trying to catch up on um, on stuff at home, you know, as a, as a, as a family doc, people are getting sick all the time. So, you know, I'm always kind of keeping my ear to the ground about what's going on with the practice. So, um, so I stayed on the boat, but, uh, nice. yeah, yeah. But, you, had, you had, uh, you had cell phone coverage or, or Wi-Fi. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. The boat had really good, um, like Wi-Fi. So you can't escape, can't escape. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's something that's yeah. neat. So what, what, what got you interested in today's topic? Well, uh, you know, as a lifestyle medicine doctor, uh, you know, avoiding toxins is a big aspect of trying to lead a healthy life. And so that was one of the reasons I hadn't really lectured on this. And, uh, you know, honestly, it was something that I wanted to learn more about. So I wanted to kind of dig into it. But, uh, oh, my gosh, once you scratch the surface about toxins and toxins in the environment, toxins in our food, toxins in the air, it starts to, you start to feel like, oh my gosh, it starts to make you a little paranoid about everything. Uh, and, yeah. and so. It uh, seems like of the, the food, the air and the environment, it's almost like the food is maybe the only one we can control. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And to an extent, your water as well. Uh, but one of, one of the main takes, takeaways is the food is something that uh, generally has a higher 
sort of pollutant uh, risk. And so you should, you know, focus on your food as uh, to, to stay clean, uh, so to speak. And being vegan really kind of does most of that for you. So uh, where animal products accumulate, they can bioaccumulate uh, toxins, heavy metals and things like that over time. So you're kind of the bottom line up front is, you know, be vegan, eat clean and stay clean and you'll avoid right. most of the toxins. E even the e eating, even eating conventional fruits and vegetables and, and, and potatoes is better than eating organic animal products or organic processed. Right, right. Grass fed, whatever, you know, that's clearly. So, well, that, that was my, my big takeaway. And, uh, and that really that there's, you can go as deep as you want in this topic, really. Nice. Well, let's go deep. Let's go, let's go deep. Okay, so uh, let me go ahead and I'm gonna share my screen and we'll get it started. All right. And I'm gonna go into presentation mode. So let me know what you see. Can you see me okay? I can. Okay. All right. Stay clean, eat plants. I'm Dr. Harrington. I have my own practice online. For those of you who haven't met me before, been here a while on Chef AJ, super lucky. Uh, but I have an online practice and I see people in person in Florida. Uh, and you can see me online as a vegan doctor. I am in currently in 16 different states. So if you're in one of these states, I can be your primary care doctor. I take insurance, Aetna, Cigna, TRICARE, Medicare. Now let's get on with the topic. Okay, why did I choose this topic? Well, I had a lot of questions. How do I avoid toxins? Do I have to worry at all if I'm vegan? Can I detox my body? What if? Uh, what about household products? I mean, there's so many of them, cleaning supplies, shaving, all that. Are my plastic bottles killing me? And is my water making me sick? So. As I was just saying, Chef AJ, you know, there's the light, the pearls of lifestyle, medicine, plant-based diet, exercise, avoiding toxins. Number three, restorative sleep, fostering healthy relationships and stress reduction. If you want to live a healthy life, you want to avoid these toxins. So bottom line up front, alcohol and cigarettes are the biggest toxin that you would be ingesting into your body. Most, most toxic substance no, both of them known to cause cancer. And so let's just uh, get this right up front. You want to detox your body by stop drinking and smoking. And so um, this was a little bit, this was from 2008. So this, this is not the perfect, perfect uh, diagram, but it shows, you know, alcohol 18% in male uh, attributable risk to liver cancer for instance, uh, and then 84 for smoking, 84% uh, attributable risk to lung cancer. But smoking causes so many potentially different cancers. Clearly, smoking and alcohol are toxic. Okay, but if you don't drink and smoke and you're vegan, aren't you avoiding most of the toxins? And the answer is yes, you know, you have plant fiber, that helps you know remove toxins that you eat. Uh, you have your you stay low cal, low calorie, so that you don't gain weight. 
you know, you store a lot, a lot of these toxins are fat soluble and they're stored in your fat. So staying low cal with plant-based diet helps you lose weight and stay fit and trim. Other detoxing uh, chemicals, the antioxidants and special plant phytonutrients uh, keep you healthy and detoxifying your system. And then just overall, they're a low in toxins because they're not bioaccumulating. Now it's true there's pesticides and things like that. And so we're gonna talk about that. But what about meat? Oh my gosh, meat and dairy, they are toxic. They are toxic. And I got a little algorithm here. You know, there's just straight up toxins like these forever chemicals, PFOs and PFASs, PCBs, pesticides, preservatives like nitrates, nitrosamines, heavy metals and microplastics, etc. So then there's O for outbreak. You could eat something and get sick from it, from a from a bacteria or a virus or a parasite. You know, you could actually get sick from, and that is in general much less of a concern with uh, plants. Although you can have things that uh, bacteria that are uh, that are on the the uh, like sprouts, for instance, or various veggies where people have. Um, fertilized with manures and things like this. Uh, meat can cause excesses, excess fat, saturated fat, cholesterol, and heme iron, toxic, known toxins, cause inflammation uh, and increase IGF-1, which increases the rate of cancer growth. And then there's cooking. Um, there's HCAs, and then there's polyaromatic hydrocarbons. So these are for like grilling and this kind of thing. And then also AGEs, which can happen with plant foods as well, uh, advanced glycation end products. However, overall, you can see that, you know, the meat products are way more toxic. And we're going to talk about just these toxins today. So uh, you've seen this slide before on Chef AJ with me, and this is the Adventist Health Study 2. It showed a dose-dependent relationship with meat and causing medical problems like obesity, diabetes, and blood pressure. So dose dependent. What that means is that the more animal products that you ate, the more sick you got. So the sicker you were. And the more vegan you ate, the less problems you have with weight, diabetes, and blood pressure. So clearly we know that it's a benefit. But what about toxins per se? So here is a study. This was this was a way back in 2001, and it uh, related uh, dioxins, PCBs. Uh, these are uh, things that happen from combustion of plastics and uh, pesticide manufacturing, and and uh, these various toxins that would end up on the, the in the food chain. These chemicals that would be persistent. Uh, through the environment and then picked up and bioaccumulated in the in the animals and the livestock. And so you can see that, you know, various meats, beef, chicken, pork, especially hot dogs had high. And then freshwater fish, freshwater fish really accumulating these persistent chemicals in the environment. Uh, butter, butter is sort of, you know, a uh, Cream rises to the top and then they make butter. So it's really accumulated and accumulated in a fatty substance. So these chemicals were high. Um, the arrow down there at the very bottom, you see vegan diet. So even though there was uh, 
persistent chemicals uh, that were in the environment, the plants picked up such a small amount. And so clearly the vegan diet was low. What's interesting here is the very far right, you see human milk, human milk, um, as, as we as humans would bioaccumulate food. This, I didn't, they didn't say whether this was vegan human milk, uh, but I, I'm assuming it was from omnivores. But uh, uh, so clearly the vegan diet had the lowest exposure. So when researching how toxic are these substances in typical exposure levels, a lot of times there would say, oh, these chemicals are reasonably safe, you know, reasonably, you know, you're not going to get sick immediately from them. And it's one of the reasons why we have exposure to a lot of these compounds is that they've been put out in the environment because they were reasonably safe. However, we should be using the precautionary principle. Like in the United States, it's kind of like it's up to the government to decide whether something is harmful, where in other countries, say in Europe, I'm making generalizations here, that they would put the burden on the producer of the chemical to prove that it's safe beyond a shadow of a doubt, and uh, they could uh, release the chemical in that scenario. So now it's true that many of the same pesticides that are in the United States are in Europe, uh, but in general, Europe uh, is more stringent with their uh, allowing various chemicals to be in the environment. So we should take the precautionary principle. We should try to avoid these things if possible uh, until proven otherwise. One easy way to do this as a vegan is to consider eating organic uh, when uh, to avoid pesticide exposure, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, when, especially when you're eating fruits and vegetables that are sprayed with pesticides, but also that it, they you're eating the skin where it's very hard to wash off the, uh, the pesticides or the pesticides are easily absorbed into the fruit that you eat. And so on most years, the Environmental Working Group uh, puts out this dirty dozen versus the clean 15. And so one of uh, the, this is the dirty dozen has the list at uh, in rank order in terms of most polluted or the most chemicals uh, per per item. And uh, the the kale colored mustard greens are starred here for uh, they had lower levels, but they had the ver biggest variety of various chemicals. And so in general, if you're eating strawberry spinach, peaches, for instance, especially where you're eating the skin, you're going to want to try to choose organic if possible. Well, we'll talk more about, you know, how concerning that is or not, but if possible, eat the dirty, uh, avoid the dirty dozen, eat organic. And then these clean 15 would oftentimes have undetectable or very minimal levels of pesticides. Okay. When studied, the U.S. population does have detectable pesticide levels in the urine and blood. 90% of us do. Uh, and that studies that showed crossover studies where they take people and they just give them organic food, it greatly reduces the urinary excretion of pesticides. So we know that the pesticides 
that we're getting it from the environment, from the food we eat, and that switching to organic does reduce it. And that in long-term studies, they have shown preliminary data that organic food consumption is associated with less cancer. So there's a study with 69,000 people followed for five years. They had 25% less cancer uh, rates of lymphoma and breast cancer. The only problem is that it's very difficult to do these big studies and it's, it all depends on the way that the data is tracked. These are through recall studies. And uh, in this instance, other very similar studies had shown contrary things where it was like, People ate more organic, had more breast cancer. So a um, little bit contradictory. The problem though, is that people will be worried that if I can't eat organic, I won't eat produce at all. And that is, that is a fallacy because the benefits of the produce outweigh the risk of the pesticides. Okay. When coming in to try to figure out how do I quantify these risks? How do I, how do I compare these to for people? One of the ways to do it is uh, these things called micro lives or 30 minutes loss of life expectancy. Uh, so for instance, if you smoke two cigarettes, it would be you lose 30 minutes off your life and you know two glasses of beer or one day five, uh, five kilograms heavier. So 11 or 12 pounds heavier than uh, the normal BMI is 30 minutes off your life expectancy. So. There's other lifestyle factors and how do they compare? So for instance, if you exercise 20 minutes of vigorous exercise that you will gain one hour of life. Before we think that you, know, you could just exercise and live forever, that it is of marginal return. So 60 minutes of vigorous exercise gave you one hour and 30 minutes. So if you eat five fruits and vegetables for that day, it uh, imp improves your life uh, an hour and a half or two hours, two hours that you get for that. Uh, when you compare that to cigarettes, minus five hours for 15 cigarettes. Well, we can use this type of model and think about uh, the life that is lost from pesticide exposure. And so they use these, uh, these measurements of disability adjusted life years lost. And so uh, how much time you lose from being disabled and then the amount of life that you would have lived. So this time called a daily, it's called a daily. And so they can break it down into minutes and days of life, life lost. And so for typical intake of pesticides, herbicides and fungicides, of a, in a lifetime that you would decrease your life by 3.2 minutes in this study. Now that, that seems trivial, that seems trivial. So there was a little bit difference between the intake of, uh, of fruit and vegetables in, from US and Switzerland where they did the study. And so they estimated in Switzerland, it would be 4.2 minutes lost of life. And then what they did in the study was they talked about, okay, well, let's imagine that there was the maximum level of pesticides on the plants and the maximum level of absorbed pesticides. And in this case, the, the sort of the confidence interval, 95 confidence interval, put it out up to max of one day of life lost. And that if you are a lifelong vegan, if you were just consuming so many of these plants, 
and that the calculated life long the life lost would be 2.4 days so that sounds that doesn't sound great i don't i don't want to lose 2.4 days however it, when you look at the benefits, when they would do these benefit studies with eating fruits and vegetables and the healthy benefits of produce is that, you know, for five fruits and vegetables servings per day, you would increase two hours each day. That would account for years and years of benefit over time. So basically, I, I don't want to encourage people to discourage people from eating produce that is not organic if you don't have other options. So one limitation of my talk today is that uh, there's this topic is so large and the, there's so many uh, chemicals on the EPA's potentially toxic list. I mean, there's hundreds. So uh, it, it became a little overwhelming. And so um, we have to consider these uh, the potential harms of these various chemicals and that Oftentimes the chemicals uh, are not attributed to actual death. Like people have a heart attack and they say, well, was it associated with chemicals or not? A lot of times people aren't tracking this in these epidemiologic studies. Uh, and they, they're basically difficult to attribute risk to. But what we do know is that a lot of times when they're studying a chemical, they're studying one chemical. But when you put multiple chemicals together, you get a synergistic effect, a negative synergistic effect that caused worsening health. Uh, and so there's this sort of black box, so it's unknown, the fact that there's multiple, we're exposed to so many different chemicals uh, and that the chemicals uh, potentially increase our rates of obesity. And that, that ends up having a um, sort of an exponential effect because the more fat, then you have more, more potential storage for uh, of these, these uh, potentially fat-soluble chemicals. Uh, they increase diabetes risk. They can be endocrine disrupting, such that people can have fertility problems, thyroid problems. A lot of times in, in the governmental information, they'll say avoid uh, mercury-containing fish, uh, high food chain fish when you're pregnant. But the thing, the problem is, is that, you know, we should just be avoiding these altogether because these are persistent uh, harmful chemicals that build up in our body. So uh, it, it's not just that you should avoid these uh, in the young and in pregnant, you should try to avoid them all the time. Um, we know these chemicals are associated with other things like autism and early puberty, which has associations with, with uh, hormonal cancers and this kind of thing. So, before you get too, too fuzzy, warm and fuzzy with the idea that the vegan diet is gonna completely save us from harm, there is this study, this intake of fruits and vegetables study, pesticide residue, where they looked at 160,000 people, many of them healthcare providers and nurses followed for over 20 years. And then they reviewed, uh, they reviewed, uh, pesticide risk, low pesticide foods and high pesticide foods, uh, fruits and vegetables. And with the low pesticide uh, group, the, the groups that had the low pesticides, it did show mortality benefit when they follow these people out for uh, over 20 years, there was a mortality benefit. But the people that ate 
the high pesticide residue fruit and vegetables, there was a problem because the more they ate, it reduced the mortality benefit that they got from the fruit and vegetables. So this is quite concerning. This is quite concerning and it makes us think, oh gosh, we need to be trying to avoid these as best we can. So just to kind of zero in on some of the toxins that, uh, that we tend to get exposed to, there's these forever chemicals, forever chem and plant chompers, the guy at plant choppers did a great uh, talk on this forever chemicals. You should go over and check it out. He's awesome. Um, the forever chemicals, PFOS, PFAS, these are uh, fluoridated chemicals and they are things like related to scotch guard, flame retardants, furnitures has a lot of this. Um, Firemen are exposed to this a lot with uh, the stuff that comes out of fire extinguishers and fluor fluoridated chemicals. Uh, they can decrease uh, fertility and are associated with lower birth weight. Many of them were stopped, uh, like for instance, like Teflon in, the two in 2000. However, the companies are just producing very similar type chemicals, which just haven't been proven to be harmful yet, but are potentially harmful. And so this includes things like microwave popcorn, uh, various fast food, nonstick grease resistant fast food uh, wrappers. Uh, Glide Floss has some of these fluoridated chemicals. So avoid it, avoid it as best you can. PCB, polychlorinated biphenols, seen in electronic hardware. This is one of those persistent environmental chemicals, environmental chemicals that um, get concentrated in the fish. Remember that, that uh, graph that we saw before in the fish and it's also in the water and it is associated with thyroid disruption, endocrine disruption, cancer, these kind of things. Staying away from eating freshwater fish is one of the biggest ways to stay away from this. Okay, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, DDT. DDT was obviously... Uh, it was um, banned many years ago, but it has persisted in the environment. Um, and nowadays, a lot of us are exposed to glyph glyphosate, where you're having a pesticide that is sprayed directly on the plant, and that you're having GMO, where you're GMO resistant to Roundup, so that uh, you're getting exposed to this. It is linked to cancer, weakly linked. And... Uh, and so this is all throughout our food chain, uh, especially in animal products, but also in things like soy and oats and things like this, where a lot of vegans would eat soy and oats. So you're going to want to get the non-GMO and organic, because if it's GMO, it's Roundup ready. So you want to avoid GMO, soy, and oats for that reason. Okay. When I say bioaccumulation, Bioaccumulation is a concept that and the lower on the food chain, you get exposed to these chemicals and brought into the organism that gets eaten by a larger organism. And here is an example of the parts per million of DDT that were in humans. This was a, a 20, 2021 study, and it showed a, a definite bioaccumulation effect, 13.5 uh, parts per million of DDT. Okay, preservatives. Now, 
You've heard of nitrates. You've probably heard me talk a lot about nitrates, which helps to dilate the arteries that come from leafy greens. And this is a positive thing. However, nitrates are also used in meat products to preserve them. But what happens to the nitrates there is they turn into nitrosamines, which are toxic and are level one carcinogen, which has been proven. So we know these things are problematic and you get these from meat products. So as a vegan, you can pretty much avoid these. Uh, and so we know here that when they compared uh, red meat uh, versus processed red meat, that uh, you had much higher risk of diabetes and heart disease and stroke. Okay, just a few more of these left. We've got uh, heavy metals. Heavy metals, you want to stay away from them. They cause nerve problems and can affect the kidneys as well. And they tend to be uh, concentrated in fish as well as the water supply. So we'll talk more about that in a second. Next one is this concept of microplastics and BPA canned foods. One of the problems with BPA is that PPA, even though it has been banned, the companies are using newer uh, chemicals that may have potentially have similar effects of BPA. So that's concerning. Uh, microplastics, I mean, even things like regular water bottles, when you open the water bottle, take the cap on and off, you're creating like friction that rubs little microplastic particles into your water. And so in general, try to use uh, steel containers, you know, stainless steel, uh, as opposed to chronically using disposable water bottles. Uh, as we learn that the microplastics have uh, endocrine disrupting problems. But in terms of consuming microplastics, the big thing is that getting it from fish, fish, uh, uh, once again, bioaccumulating these kind of things. So what are some resources that we can use to help us a little bit with the toxicity problem? And so these were two that I found helpful. If in the comment, I don't know if Chef AJ if it's okay, but in the comments have people put other potential resources that they like. Uh, uh, what I found useful is this Yucca app, Yucca app. And also the Environmental Working Group's great resource. They have things like the water database, which I'll, I'll show you some examples of. So for instance, you know, you can take this Yucca app and you can scan a product. And for instance, like this Aveeno shave cream sounds pretty good, but uh-oh, it's got uh, purple parabens in it with endocrine disruptors. So they're saying, "Ooh, it's bad! It's bad." These are these are chemicals used to um, help preserve the, uh, I guess, freshness of the product. But the cool thing with the Yucca app is it will give you some other options, other options to uh, use instead that don't have these uh, potentially toxic chemicals. Just a quick note on that one: you can use the Bunny Free Product Cruelty Database app to see if your product also has been tested on animals. Oh, nice. Um, here we go. That We have the um, elect, uh, Environmental Working Group has this great database of tap water. Because, you know, I, I really feel like tap water, I mean, the biggest thing that you can do is, is try to eat vegan and trying to eat food that's organic. And then kind of the, the next frontier, I guess, is, is water. Because we are, we are exposed to heavy metals and things and, and various 
persistent environmental pollutants through our water. So you can, this is, this is my, my, uh, county's utilities water. And I put, put the, you can go to the website and put it in. And it said that, um, six contaminants exceeded the environmental working groups, uh, recommended levels. And then it tells you, oh my gosh, arsenic 54 times the environmental working groups recommended guideline. So it said that uh, my utility had 0.2 parts per billion, but they recommend no more than 0, 0.04 parts per billion, uh, and that the legal limit is 10, 10 parts per billion. So um, it, they're suggesting that just because it's a legal limit, it doesn't mean that it might necessarily be safe. And so um, the cool thing is that it doesn't just give you tons of anxiety about the, the topic. It also tells you what to do about it. Like, for instance, it'll tell you, oh, OK, with uh, arsenic, you could use reverse osmosis or ion exchange. And so by by doing this, it makes me realize, oh, my gosh, I need to have a reverse osmosis uh, platform in my house. Right now we're using carbon filter, which can get through lots of things like these. Um, oh. For instance, like these um, chromium, hexavalent chromium, I believe uh, carbon helps with that, carbon filters, but it doesn't get, um, uh, it can't get arsenic. So, okay. Well, anyway, my overall recommendation is stay clean, eat vegan, definitely avoid alcohol, tobacco, when possible, eat organic, and overall reduce your toxin burden. Once again, I'm Dr. Harrington. I'm in these 16 states, and I can be your primary care doctor if you are in one of those states. I accept insurance. And that is all. And I am ready for your questions. Nice. Yeah, guys, this is the best time to post your questions. At, oops, let me take my camera on. It's the best time to post your questions and to please put four question marks first. That helps us differentiate questions from comments. You can post them on Instagram or on YouTube. If you're on Facebook, YouTube is the best place because Facebook is another screen entirely. So somebody on Instagram was posting about Parkinson's that that seems to be the reason for it. Is that like in toxins? What do you think? There are, I mean, oh my gosh, like when looking through the, um, all the evidence on these various things that Parkinson's is one of the things that is associated with, uh, with various pollutants and, uh, and, but to, to point to the specific toxin, I'm not 100% sure just right off the top of my head, but I did run across that as a, as a potential. Um, one, one sort of weird thing is that smoking is protective for Parkinson's. Wait, how? No, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't understand why, but that is I mean, potentially did, true. Well, how, okay. How, you know, studies are interesting. And I, I've been wanting to get on that guy from Stanford. I can't think of his name right now, where he's the guy that like studies studies and how they're done and how some of them are mm -hmm. really, you know, yeah. how, how would they even know to study that that smoking is protect? I mean, because that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And how can it be true? Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, what, Parkinson's is a dopamine disease and, uh, and maybe somehow that the cigarettes had some sort of effect on dopamine, but in order, and when you do an epidemiological study, you, that is a pretty easy one to follow. Like how many cigarettes do you smoke per day? How many packs per day? How many years? And then seeing like mortality, what they die of, oh, they died of Parkinson's. And so I, I believe that that one would actually be a, a reasonably, um, you know, uh, uh, 
Now, is it direct cause and effect? You'd have to do a placebo controlled study for that, but there, there's strong, strong correlation. That is, but I almost, <laughs> even if it's true, why'd you have to say it? Now everybody go out and start smoking. Everyone's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, it has a million other cancers and all these other problems, but, uh, you know, so somewhat protective against Parkinson's. Oh, God. Mm. All right. All right. So first question, and again, if you send them in to help at chefaj.com, we give you priority. This is from Marley. Love that name. Uh, she loves the show. Thank you. The new appeal coating on produce is derived from purified monoglycerides and diglyceride per the appeal website. What is your opinion of the additional oil that it adds to our diet? And are these even safe, you know? Yeah, I mean, Doctor, uh, who was the doctor that was on your uh, maybe on here? Doc, maybe Doctor Ron Weiss. Doctor Ron Weiss. Doctor Ron Weiss gave a good um, presentation, or you know, he gave a good answer about this, and he, of course, is concerned about them. And uh, you know, I, I don't think that the oil, you know, is the problem. I, you know, whatever residue they are, and and has have they been studied to you know on prolonged. Alongside the problem with these cancer studies, and and the reason why we probably have so many of these is in the United States, people have to sort of they're innocent until proven guilty. Where uh, you know in other countries it might be that uh, they assume the worst and, and, and the prudency principle. So I, you know, I, I'm definitely concerned with that, and uh, I, I I would uh, I would be concerned when when potential to avoid it, I would avoid it. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, do they have to even disclose it? That's the thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, probably. I don't think so. Right. Because I, I haven't seen that on labels in my, in you know, in my produce section. Yeah, that's the world is getting scary. Okay. We have to all grow our own food and have like a little <laughs> commune. Uh, this is from Susan. Is it true that losing one's hand grip is a sign of early mortality? And if it's true, what causes it and what can help reverse it? If it's true, I'm screwed. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is this uh, this influencer, Peter Atia, you know, who's wrote a book, Outlive. And, and that's one of the things that he talks about. And he talks about the um, octogenarian Olympics or whatever. And uh, there there is probably papers that associate uh, poor uh, hand grip strength as like sort of a poor man's test for sarcopenia and uh, you know the, the muscle loss that you get over time. And so uh, there's these like get up and walk tests uh, and various, you know, simple tests that people can do to um, sort of see how frail and, and how, um, you know, so the concept is that with sarcopenia, just like with bone mineral density, your muscle mass continues to decrease over time and that you can, you have to fight for it. You have to fight for it. You have to exercise and you have to lift weights and you have to, you know, maintain a, you know, vigorous diet, match your calories to, um, to your expenditure to maintain your muscles. And so, Yes, poor grip strength is a problem because it's associated with overall, probably associated with overall decreased muscle mass, which is a concern for uh, frailty and um, and uh, early demise. Uh oh, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I need to really do something. It's just <laughs> the whole 
I, I love to exercise. I do tons of cardio, walking, yoga, but I don't like to lift anything. Oh, well, I mean, uh, I think you'll be surprised, Chef AJ. I think you, you'd be surprised with yourself, like what getting involved with it. Every and... time I do, then this happens. I can't, oh. that, that's, I'm, I'm going to get physical therapy one day. It's just, it's a long waiting list here. But every time Is I try it... to lift anything, I can't. Oh. I gotta find a way to lift stuff without. Is it a decoire veins tendonitis? I don't know. They a... said it first. They said it was I, I, sesame seed. Ses, there's a bone that sounds like sesamoid. Sesamoiditis. Sesamoiditis. Ses trigger thumb. You know, blah blah blah. So the, the you know, that's what happens. It's an <laughs> excuse, but it's true. So how do I lift when I can't when I can't even grip? Well, you can do. I mean, the biggest muscles in your body are in your legs. So you could be. You know, you could be doing weights, you know, lower body, you could be doing machines, machines that allow you to do well, my lower you know, body is very muscular because I'm, I'm, nice. I'm, I'm a maniac with the spin bike. I mean, that's why when people say you're so skinny, they're only seeing me from here. When they see the whole thing, they're like, Whoa, look at those, <laughs> look at those Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> I, don't right. on, I don't stand up on YouTube. Thank you. <laughs> William says, if my wife will change her diet and exercise plan, can it slow down or even reverse her hearing loss? Never had that question before. Thanks, William. Yeah, I I haven't seen that uh, that this this can be reversed. Although um, there, I, I think I think there might be a chapter in how not to uh, how not to age uh, about hearing. Uh, and I think mostly it's it's preventative. I I, I uh, I'm not sure if, if there is uh, concerns about or uh, suggest that it could be reversed. But uh, I mean, just the sensory organs are affected by vascular health and uh, and you know atherosclerosis and this kind of thing. So anything you could buy, so changing your diet can definitely help to preserve what you've got, preserve what you got, and slow down the effects of aging, which typically you'd expect that the hearing would get worse and worse over time. You know, I find it so interesting, these questions, because we, you know, we have a lot of doctors on the show and we get this, these specific questions. If I change my diet to the one we all recommend, whole food, plant-based, no oil, little or no sugar and salt, will it help this disease? And so I'm thinking, well, even if it doesn't, so you're going to, if, if the answer is no, you're going to stay on the standard American diet. Right. You know, right. because because maybe, maybe not, but it's going to help everything else. So I find it curious that it's like, well, if it doesn't help this, I'm going to, you know, staying on that is not going to help it. So why not give it a try? You never know. Miracles could happen. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, um, you know, they they probably just are, are interested if they have heard anything. Um, but, uh, oh, my gosh. I just love being on the plant-based diet because I mean, it, it seems to help everything it seems to help so many things. And once you go plant-based, it's hard to go back. You know, if, if, uh, people, people fall off the bandwagon, they start having more heartburn and constipation and all this kind of stuff. So get on the bandwagon and then, then you'll be, uh, you'll be hooked. Get on the plant wagon, huh? <laughs> yeah, there All right. You go. So now I'm going to go into the chat. Those were the previously submitted questions. And Dixie, hi, Dixie, would like to know, is parchment paper toxic? Ooh, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. The uh, That is one of the things you could try to use with the Yucca app. In fact, let me see if I can see. Uh, let me see if I can do it right now. Parchment paper. We're in the Yucca app right now. Oh, I have to scan it. Oh, 
I'd have to scan it. So um, those those uh, those Teflon related chemicals uh, that are sort of nonstick are concerning the things like the um, popcorn bags, the um, things like I believe potentially McDonald's, uh, the like the grease resistant uh, paper products that are uh, that are used in, in fast food wrappers. Um, the things I believe like hot pocket microwavable, uh, <laughs> those little microwavable uh, little pockets that they put in uh, potentially have these nonstick chemicals in it that uh, are potentially problematic. And so I don't think that parchment paper does, but uh, I would just simply check it out. Maybe do the Yucca app. Wow. So so you're saying you actually had to have parchment paper right there in order to to find out. Well, what's weird is I, well, I, I'm typing in parchment paper and it's like, oh, only available for members. However, I was able to scan a bunch of things and, and test it out, tested like 20 products. And, uh, you know, this app, the Yucca app. But then when I type in parchment paper, let's see, let's see. Um, what's a good brand of parchment paper? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just buy whatever they have with this. I don't even know. Yeah. Buy whatever's cheapest. I don't even go for a certain brand. I know. I, I don't either. I could so, go look in the camp pantry. Yeah. If you want me to run <laughs> Let's see if I can pull something up. In the All meantime. Right. Um, yeah. So do you take Medicare? Uh, Medicare, yes. I don't take Medicaid. Yes. Wow. So in another uh, 14 months, I can go to you. <laughs> All right. That's right. That'll be fun. All right. Carolyn says, can you discuss glyphosate? New reports indicate that people have been winning lawsuits due to it causing cancer. Wow. Well, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah. I I know Monsanto, it's a huge company. And you know, 3M and a lot of these other companies that have been associated with these uh forever chemicals and things have been have had they've had class action suits against them and they've been awarded really big you know like super fun sites or cleaning up the the um, areas around plants and this kind of thing so um that there there's been associations with persistent problems and dna disrupting problems with uh gly glyco glycosphate um let's see glyphosate 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 yep uh, cancer and dna changes across multiple generations so um eventually that they're going to have to do something about it because it is uh they are they're finding more and more issues with it so we should avoid it and where do we find yes. it mostly well, uh, you find it a lot in, in bioaccumulated and animal products, but but for vegans, the big one is oat and soy, especially with oats where potentially it's sprayed and then left on and then you're eating the oats and the oats are getting a lot of the exposure, especially ones that are GMO because they can, they're Roundup ready so you can spray it right on it. And, um, and so, yeah, the assumption is that they're heavy exposed to it. So if you choose non-GMO products, you're going to have like less likely to have um, the uh, gly, uh, glyphosate. 
And then if you get organic, then they wouldn't have it. So especially your oats and soy. Mm, speaking of organic, there's a question from Randy. Do you think restaurants serve organic fruit? I doubt it's never listed as organic. I don't think restaurants even serve organic food unless they actually make a point to say that they serve organic food. If they're spending extra money to get organic food, they're going to tell the customer as a as a post as a uh, selling point. So um, that's that would be my assumption if yep. they were smart. Yeah, and people are pointing out that appeal has not been studied. Just so you know, like um, yeah. Angela says she recently learned that exercise can actually help protein levels in the body. Is that your experience? And if so, what is the process involved in the outcome? I've heard, you know, I've heard, you know, kind of rumors about this too, that, uh, but I, I didn't quite understand what it meant. Normally the sort of the standard thinking is that, well, if I'm exercising a lot, I need to have extra protein. Um, so, but I, I tell patients that it's not necessary. You can do the 0 0.8 grams per kilogram of healthy body weight uh, for protein intake. And that goes the same if you're exercising a lot. Uh, the, the concern is over 65, maybe you bump it up to 1.0 grams per kilogram of healthy body weight. So healthy body weight would be basically like a BMI 25 person uh, who weighs about BMI 25 for your height. So uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I haven't heard the specific evidence about, about what you're talking about. The big thing though, is that if you are exercising more, you're going to be burning more calories. And so you're going to need more calories. If you're not taking them, the calories, you're going to lose weight. And if you're actually trying to maintain muscle mass, uh, and you're not overweight, that is actually a big problem. So you actually sometimes have to eat more and, it's, it, it sometimes seems weird for, you know, the doctor to come at you saying, oh, you need to eat more, you need to eat more, but uh, yeah. Thanks. People are asking, what's the best way to clean fruits and vegetables? Vinegar? Well, I have heard vinegar, but I mean, simply, simply rinsing in water is, uh, is usually all you need to do. It's, you, you get most of the um, toxins off that way, most of the pesticides off that way. Um, Thanks. Simply rinse in water. Now there are these uh, washes and stuff. There's these um, kind of like detergent type washes, but I, I that might increase potentially the uh, the. Uh, but I haven't seen the study that compared that versus water. And uh, as far as I know, water is good to go. Thank you, Gisela says. Do you accept patients in Arizona? I sure do. Perfect. Okay, let's see. I, I saw a question from Diana. Now, where is it? Guys, it really helps when you put those four questions up first. Does, does root canal affect our general health, asks Clark. Well, the, I mean, I think that if you have an obvious infection, an oral infection, uh, by not getting a root canal, not getting it taken care of, um, that would be my recommendation that if you need a root canal, that, um, that, I mean, there's, there's problems with getting any procedure, you know, the numbing medicine and the, the stress of getting the procedure, but having, having a potential nidus for infection, uh, it can be, could, could quickly kind of blow up in your face, literally where all of a sudden you end up with this big, um, 
uh, abscess formation and this kind of thing, which was way more problematic than any kind of uh, medical treatment and stuff that you're that you would be dealing with. So in this case, I think, you know, prevention, preventative is better. You don't want to let it get into a situation where you have to deal with it oral abscess. I, I watched some really scary summit about word canals and I'm like, I'm actually really scared of them. Now, I had them when I was younger, but ooh, there's just so much scary stuff out there. So a lot of people are saying that the Yuka app is only for uh, like, it, it, they, they, they scanned parchment paper they couldn't find it. So it's not for household products, apparently. Oh, sadness, yeah. sadness. Yeah. I, did, I didn't see, uh, I didn't see any kind of, uh, yeah. Okay. There was uh, sort of soaps. Uh, yeah, mo mostly, I guess it's for potentially various foods and products, maybe even cosmetic type stuff that you put. Uh, I found Diana's question. She says she's in central Florida. What do you offer for health, like in terms of blood tests, longevity treatments, dermatology, et cetera? Okay, well, um, I'm family practice, board certified family practice doctor, family medicine, and board certified in lifestyle medicine. And through my, through my practice, uh, I can order, you know, labs through LabCorp or Quest, or you can take it to a third party app as well, a uh, third party lab. So, uh, you know, but basic primary care, really, what does your primary care doctor do? They order you labs, see you, you know, be the storehouse for records and send referrals and do x-ray requests and, and things like that. Do I have a special potion that helps people live forever? No, I don't have a well, special live forever it. potion. I'm not coming to you then. <laughs> <laughs> but I am a plant-based doctor. And if they say, if you say, oh, I listen to Chef AJ and Dr. McDougall and, you know, I will know what you are talking about. Uh, so yeah, I've been plant-based since, uh, 2012 and have seen, you know, uh, you know, thousands of vegan patients since then. And so I have somewhat of experience with that. And so I've probably heard your concerns, uh, or something like your concerns and, uh, so I'm just birds of a feather. It's just hanging out with birds of a feather. Nice. Here's a question. Do we really need to wear sunglasses to protect our eye health? Every ophthalmologist I've been to says absolutely, especially if you want to avoid cataracts. Yes, cataracts. And believe it or not, you can get melanoma in your eye, believe it or not. That, that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> no, no. It sounds like you'd have to have your eye removed. Wow. I got to start wearing them. I forget. I mean, because I my ophthalmologist said even when it's overcast, which it always is here. So I've been forgetting to wear them. And I, what happens is they yeah. fog up because, you know, it's so cold here. I wear like a, like a bank robber ski mask and then oh, sunglasses okay. on, they fog up. But thanks for reminding me that. Uh, Debbie says, what do you suggest to boost immunity? I'm whole food plant-based. I've gone years without illness. And in the last three months, I've been sick three times with the flu or bronchitis. Okay. Well, that we, we do have pretty good evidence for a boosting immunity through, um, one healthy lifestyle, getting good rest and this kind of thing, eating plenty of fruit and vegetables and greens in the diet. But one that is sort of very specific is uh, including mushrooms in the diet mushrooms. I think there was a study that where they had done, I believe it was like brewer's yeast or something on Olympic athletes as they were traveling around. And they, so they were able to do like a placebo controlled trial with this like brewer's yeast or some sort of fungal, fungal uh, food and then versus placebo. And they had increased antibodies in their upper airway. 
So it helped to uh, reduce the frequency of common cold type viruses and things that people would experience in this study. So the assumption is that mushrooms and, and, the, and the fungal, fungal uh, category can help with a uh, boost immunity when, when, uh, to help prevent. Now, once you are already, already um, ill, it's just important that you don't do like super comfort food and just you know eat unhealthy food. It's important that when you're sick to give your body healthy food uh, and- Or and no food. Or, or no, or fast, you know, there's fasting scenarios. The best thing yeah. to do when you're sick is don't eat. Right. Yep. Yep. I've heard of that too. Um, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so that's what I've heard about uh, boosting immunity. Now, vitamin D got a big, big, um, a lot of press during the COVID scenario uh, for, for being, for being helpful with immunity. But I guess the biggest concern is if you're vitamin D deficient, I, I don't suggest to taking super doses of vitamin D. Um, if, if you're already plenty topped up with vitamin D. Thanks. Uh, Travis says, I've had chronic hives for around six months that came on suddenly without any known cause. I have no allergies and I haven't been able to find a cause myself. Any clues on what I can do? Yeah, so this is, this is awful. You know, chronic urticaria, they call it. Uh, so people will start to develop hives. So start to see if you can find any clues basically with your diet, uh, you know, so you could potentially do elimination diet, although elimination diets are really hard to do and really problematic. So what I would, what I would do is, uh, since you have not been able to identify your trigger, I would talk to your local allergist and go in and see if they could assist with trigger identification. So they could start by doing some blood work and this is something your primary care doctor could do. They could run some um, IgE tests um, they could do various antibody tests to see for various food sensitivities, and they could start there. One of the problems with the blood tests is that they're super sensitive and that they may say you're allergic to onions and raspberries and all these healthy foods. And then you'll be, you know, eating nothing but white rice and, uh, <laughs> and you'll be, uh, have a constricted palate. But when you're trying to work out with this trigger avoidance, uh, you can start with the blood work, which is super sensitive. And then you could take the things that you find in the blood work and you could see an allergist and have them do uh, the pinprick testing, which is more of a gold standard. So uh, you could do this uh, trigger identification that way uh, if you can't figure it out just through uh, clues, just the way you eat. Yeah, thank you. Uh, P2 says, does orange juice and other fruit juice have more pesticides? Uh, I guess then what, uh, but the, the uh, concern is that, yeah, if you're doing a, a lot of juice or uh, in order to create juice, you have to use a lot of, of one fruit. And so if you're eating a whole food, like whole oranges, then you're going to have less exposure to, you're going to eat less and you're going because of the fiber, uh, than you would, uh, with juice where juice could sort of bioaccumulate it, I guess. Uh, or just the fact that you need so many to create the juice. However, oranges are, I believe, are pretty good because uh, you know, they're being peeled and and uh, not getting as much um, of the uh, potential pesticides. Thank you. Some of the people are saying part, some parchment paper is treated with silicone and people are asking, well, what, what, is silicone safe? You know, I use that as bakeware. They say it's safe to up to four. Yes, I use it as bakeware too. I've heard it's safe as well. Um 
uh, you know, if we find out years later that it wasn't safe, I wouldn't be a hundred percent surprised. Uh, then we'll how, find how out I... that if you smoke, it'll it'll prevent you from dying from silicone. <laughs> That's crazy. Right. That's I I want you to send me that study. That that doesn't. I just oh the, the study not... about about the smoking and the Parkinson's. I just don't believe that. All right. And, and and let me tell you why, because I can't say the person's name, but I know somebody that smoked and they still got Parkinson's. Oh, so well, yeah, that, that's the other thing, you know, uh, vegans still dying of vegan, breast cancer. They, they, yeah, right. Yeah. Stuff like, I mean, there's, there's all those kind of things, you know, so it's, 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 it's correlation. It's correlation. <laughs> Megan says, Meg says that uh, some parchment paper has PFAs, so yeah, you know, let's see if I found anything more. I'll hop over to Instagram yeah. now and see if there's a question. Oh, here's one uh, on the move. Hello, on the move. How do you feel about plastic mouth guards? Do you have an alternative? You know, my dentist wasn't concerned. Yeah, so the 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 plastic mouth guards are going to expose you somewhat to microplastics and the potential endocrine disrupting um, scenarios, but. Uh, you know, this is a thing with a lot of medical devices and and uh, that that plastics are used. And so, you know, if it's a necessary medical device, which maybe this mouth guard is helping you from grinding and avoiding TMJ and this or potentially helping you avoid obstructive sleep apnea by improving your jaw, um, uh, the way your jaw sets and uh, then the benefits that you would get would outweigh the um the overall exposure to microplastics. And so in my research of doing all this, it was what the, the most interesting thing is I started with the global burden of disease. I started with the global burden of disease because what I was expecting to see in the global burden of disease, I was expecting to see, oh, you know, 20% of, of uh, you know, cancers or something were caused by various chemicals. And the basically in the global burden of disease, you don't see any of these you know, forever chemicals, you don't see BPA as a concern and you don't see, and uh, overall, because I think what's happened is that they're not attributing these things to the cancers, but um, because they don't have, there's so few studies that have shown um, cancer because there's so few studies in general on each one of these potential problems. So um, overall, the, the data is low. It's just sort of using the, um, uh, precautionary principle of trying to avoid it if possible. So in this case, you're, you're not going to have another option probably. Uh, and, and so you know, that I, I would stick to it if it's probably offering you more benefit. Thank you. Uh, Jolene says, if I talk my friend into going plant-based, will it help her lung and pancreatic cancer? Ooh. No, I don't think there's a guarantee. Uh, yeah, you know, pancreatic cancer and lung cancer both have very poor prognoses uh, among among cancers per se. Uh, but once again, the, the it's going to help with so many things. It's going to help with heartburn. It's going to help with constipation, and it can it can potentially improve your uh, you know, delay potential problems. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm pro even in these, I like to, I don't like to overpromise what the vegan diet can do, but it's so healthy for so many other reasons. 
Um, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry if your friend has that diagnosis. That's horrible. I mean, do, do all lung cancers have poor prognosis? Don't does I mean, there's a doesn't it matter? Certain ones, certain ones are better, but I mean, for instance, can't I mean, lung cancer is the number one cancer death uh, cause of cancer death. Wow, uh, oh, you know, that's so. depressing. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Oh wow. I don't think I'm seeing any more questions. And uh, thank you so much, Dr. Harrington. Yay. Yay. Chef AJ, once again, it's always so good to be here and I feel so lucky to be a part of your show and um, I love it. Well, thank you, Dr. Harrington. And thanks to all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow for two live shows at 11 a.m. We have Brian Harris. We're going to be chopping with the Rambling Man. And at 2 p.m., we have Chef Kelly Williamson, and she's going to be doing a wonderful cooking demo. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you for your questions. And thanks for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Take care. Bye-bye.